everybody, and welcome to One Person's Trash is Our Treasure. We're a podcast where we discuss underrepresented and underappreciated media. I'm Rachel. And I'm Jen. Today, we're going to be talking about a romance novel written, wink, by Fabio. Fabio, if you don't know, is the uh, hunka-chunka sexy (laughs) man-meat that... Oh, wow. (laughs) ...that you're likely to see on... The covers of romance novels from the 1980s and 1990s. Mm-hmm. And anytime you see a shirtless man, or mostly shirtless man, with long flowing hair and a very Grecian profile, it's Fabio. Or it's a guy who wishes he were Fabio. Yeah. So yeah, we're talking about a book called Champion. That's a romance novel from what year? Sometime in the 1990s. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it was a lot of fun to talk about. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily to read. <laughs> this book is also out of print. Mm-hmm. So don't go looking for it unless you're willing to buy a used copy on Amazon. Yes, but also don't go looking for it. <laughs> don't. Please don't. You, everything you need to know you'll get from our podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh, so if you enjoy us, and I can't imagine that you wouldn't. <laughs> You can come find us on social media. We're on Twitter at Optiot. That's O-P-T-I-O-T. And we're also on Instagram at Optiot Pod. Or you can find us on our website. One person's trash is our treasure dot com. <laughs> so you know who I've really been enjoying listening to lately, Jen? Who's that? The Indoors Women. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they're a podcast. Also a member of Lady Pod Squad. Hashtag, Hashtag Lady Pod Squad! <laughs> and... <laughs> And they're really, really smart. They also talk about media, but mm-hmm. they, um, their format is a little bit more, uh, they have a specific topic mm-hmm. and then they discuss various shows and movies and books across that topic, like, mm-hmm. you know, robots. I, I love their format. More often than not, they're picking a topic that I'm like so into, like robots or space mm-hmm. was it yeah. an episode that they're so good. Go mm-hmm. listen to them. They're really smart. Shout out to the home koalas, Jen and Meg. Yeah. If a podcast could be our sister, Mm -hmm. I like to say it would be theirs. Me too. Definitely. Enjoy the show. Yeah, listen. (laughs) Bye-bye. So, as a lover of romance novels, I also greatly appreciate those old school romance novel book covers. Oh, man. uh, Many of which feature Fabio. Yes. So Fabio is um, Fabio Lanzoni, but more commonly known by his mononym, Fabio. He's an Italian-American model, actor, spokesman. Yeah, romance novel cover model. Yeah. That's probably what he's most widely known for. Yeah, I think kids these days probably don't know who he is, but he he was pretty... Widely, I mean, I mean, you can only go by one name if you are widely known. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but there was one career that he had that I bet you don't know about, and that was author. <laughs> he wrote books, Rachel. He did. Yeah. <laughs> Why do we keep doing this bit? I, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, Fabio wrote, with some heavy quotations, a couple of romance novels for which he was the cover model as well. 
Naturally. <laughs> just him, too. That's yeah, my yeah, part. it's just him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually pretty significant when you consider the fact that these novels came out in the 90s when the convention was still for there to be a half-naked woman mm-hmm. and a mostly fully clothed man. man with his buttons undone mm-hmm. usually fabio yes holding her provocatively with a castle in the background or whatever while she fainted or writhed or yeah yeah whatever and lots of blowing hair in the wind oh yeah and on fabio's books he was literally the only cover model <laughs> but but the reason that's interesting is because that's actually more common now with historicals especially regencies you'll see just the woman mm-hmm. or on uh, certain genres such as westerns, western romances, <laughs> usually books with alpha hole heroes, Ugh. where the where the hero is just a giant alpha male asshole douche. Um, usually, like if he's part of the mafia or what, so or... like this one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it. Okay. Uh... <laughs> I have a lot to say. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I can't wait. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> um, just a little bit of background. I have this um, love of clearing used book sales out of their old school romance novels. Mm-hmm. I have a deep appreciation for old school romance novels, primarily because I like the covers. Mm-hmm. Understandable. <laughs> so I naturally, I've always really loved Fabio. I think he's a really cool guy. Mm -hmm. I don't know much about him personally. I just ironically love him. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Understandable. So when I learned that he um, had written romance novels, I was instantly interested in them. And Mm -hmm. um, about a year ago, actually, I bought several of them. I now own four of Fabio's novels. Mm -hmm. These are out of print. Uh, and you own four out of, like, five or six, right? There are more than that, actually. There are? Yeah, remember we looked him up and he has, like, one in each of the sub-genres of romance that were popular in the 90s? I guess I including, that many. Including the very racist uh, half-breed Native American hero sub-genre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, yeah, I remember that one. Yep. Um, so y- y- this was your idea. Yeah. <laughs> this is your fault. Yep, yep, it is. I just want to get this out there. I'm sorry for making <laughs> us both read that entire book. <laughs> because it was painful in the middle. It was a wild ride. Well, it was painful in the middle for me because it was so boring at times. It really, it was. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. So, um, we didn't, ghost. we haven't talk, talked about the title yet. That's a good point. We haven't mentioned what it's called. (laughs) This book is called Champion. By Fabio. Yeah. (laughs) I love that it's his his signature. Most Mm -hmm. of the time, it's just like, by Fabio. And it's his signature. Yeah, like... Which is, like, the only bit of writing he did for this book. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the, the author section under the... On the title page, the author is literally just his signature. Well, in fairness, and this is what I was gonna say i think it's interesting it says champion by fabio and then it says in collaboration with eugene o'reilly mm-hmm. which i think is interesting and then there's 
And then there's a whole extra page. It's not the dedication. We'll mm-hmm. get. We'll talk about the dedication. Mm-hmm. But the page after the dedication says, Fabio gratefully acknowledges the contribution of Eugene O'Reilly, without whom this book would not have been possible. Which I thought was very nice. Is that mm-hmm. common in, like, romance novel ghost writing practice? Uh, no. Well, no? okay. To be perfectly fair, I don't read a lot of books that are ghostwritten. Like, I'm not a big fan of those authors who are churning out. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. I'm not, like, James Patterson nor right. Roberts. I'm not, I don't really read those authors, so I guess I'm not really familiar with it. Uh, yeah, It's my true. understanding, though, that it's not, like, something you openly publicize. Hmm. However, in this case, I think it would be obvious that Fabio didn't write this because he, English was his second language, I believe. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. so maybe. Uh, but I thought that was really nice. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, respect to him for that. And respect to this woman. Uh, when I, I – I read this book first. I took it home. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I opened it up for the first time and something made me read the dedication, probably just because I was like, who would Fabio dedicate this <laughs> book to? <laughs> um, I sent you a picture of it because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, holy crap. The dedication says, I dedicate this work to those selfless individuals around the world who have devoted themselves to making a difference in the struggle against abuse, violence toward, and the exploitation of women. I diligently support the eradication of these examples of the oldest scourge of the battle of the sexes. And I yep. was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that. I'm, I don't know anything about Fabio. Same. Yeah. That's really nice, though. Yeah. You know, I... The content of the book... <laughs> Aside, I was thinking about that the whole time, too. Yeah. The the content of the book aside, I think it's pretty significant that he dedicated this book to a very feminist cause. Yeah. At a time when romance was still kind of in its infancy and was so full of crazy sauce and rape and abuse of women. Mm Mm-hmm. That I totally understand why many people wouldn't have considered it a feminist genre. Yeah. You know? Totally. But we'll get into those issues. Yeah, we'll talk about it. (laughs) So Champion is about... Okay. I I kind of, in my mind, have been preparing. Yeah, I'm just going to sit back and cross my arms. Nope. Okay. I'm trying to do this. No, I I have it. I just, I I need to have a disclaimer here. As I was reading this book, I couldn't help but think that if this were a uh, modern day romance novel, Mm -hmm. that the description would read, (laughs) all Aurora wants is for the war between her and her childhood friend to end, but then her troublesome uncle keeps sending suitors to be her champion. (laughs) Am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong. (laughs) With that in mind. Although, I mean, okay, the book is from both of their points of view, but it's probably more from his. It is, so, which is interesting to me. Yeah, me too. So, okay. Uh, this dude, Niccolo, he is um, basically, like, he hates everything. He lives in Italy. He is a knight during the um, middle medieval period, I believe. He has a tragic past. Oh, he's so damaged, Rachel. He's so angsty and broken. <sighs> His uh, family estate is in ruin, and his old friend is meeting with this dude named Artemis, who is talking about how his niece, the princess of a nearby kingdom, is, her kingdom is under siege Mm -hmm. by a man who is trying to force her to marry him. 
And Artemis needs a champion to go and save her. Book title drop. (laughs) So in return, the champion will get Aurora's hand in marriage and her magnificent dowry. So Niccolo, whose family estate is in ruin and whose mother and sister are on the verge of being homeless and whose sister is almost unable to marry her fiance because she pretty much doesn't have a dowry. Mm -hmm. So Niccolo agrees to be the champion that Artemis is looking for. But he has to bribe Artemis because Artemis has already promised another knight that mm-hmm. he can be the champion. So Niccolo mortgages his family's estate to get the money. And mind you, he's already in ruin and has barely any money and uh, heads off to champion the princess. When he yep. arrives, he, <laughs> he discovers that the other knight that Artemis had promised is there. Mm-hmm. Along with, like, four other guys? Yep, that sounds like the right number. Yep, by the end of the book, (laughs) two more knights have shown up, so there are eight knights in total, Mm -hmm. and you find out that Artemis has just been traveling all over Europe and Asia and finding men to champion his niece and making them give him, like, bribes, and then taking their money and sending them all off to his niece. Kind of awesome. Well, kind of awesome, but sending them off to his niece, who then has to deal with these, like, ornery knights who are like, I was promised a woman. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, okay, I guess we can get into this later. Most of the dudes are actually really cool. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to talk about it. I know, I know. So anyway, um, Niccolo, when he shows up, all the other knights laugh at him when he finds out, and Mm -hmm. he's furious and they're all like oh we were mad too but you know then when we realized that aurora had nothing to do with this we're on her side we want to help her defeat this creep Mm -hmm. but niccolo decides that aurora was in on this plan with her uncle artemis Mm -hmm. because he's so damaged rachel he can't trust women so broken so he decides that he is going to become her champion and then betray her Take her virginity and then hand her over to the guy who's been trying to siege her castle. That's the basic gist. Yep, pretty much. Oh, and also the reason Niccolo is so bitter and angry is because a few years ago, his wife, Cecilia, when he went away to war, had cheated on him with his cousin, whom he had left the management of his estate to. Then his horrible slut of a wife was caught by his cousin sleeping with her gardener. So then he killed them both. And then and, killed himself. And killed himself. But not before ruining the entire family estate and losing all of their money somehow. Mm-hmm. And then Niccolo came home from war. A widower. Well, well, basically that gif from Troy in that one episode of Community. Which one? Oh, when, when, he, <laughs> when he comes in with the box of pizza and the yeah. apartment's on fire. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then he was so he was such such an in shame and he could never have trust again disgraced and so and a raging misogynist yeah but also not we'll talk about it we'll talk about it we'll talk about it okay <laughs> we'll talk about it we'll okay. talk about it okay okay so at this point, we would normally do a spoiler warning, but I'm going to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike with other episodes, we don't... Hmm, how do I say this nicely? 
you have no reason to read this book. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Even though we're probably going to have a lot of fun talking about it and it's like funny, a lot of it's really boring. Yes. So yeah. Spoiler warning if you care. But you probably don't. Okay. First thing I want to mention mm-hmm. is that we decided we wanted to read a Fabio book, mm-hmm. but we weren't sure which one to choose first. Yes. Which, first and only. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to do pirate or Viking? I, no, I, I might actually want to do another one. But or rogue? <laughs> Part of the reason we chose this one, I don't know what drew you to this one, but in the summary that I read of Champion, there was mention of gnomes. Oh, really? And I went, hell yes, that's going to be read by me. I'm going to be reading that. <laughs> For me, uh, I I caught on through some reviews that it was a fantasy. Mm-hmm. For me, it was more that it was set in a medieval setting, which if you're unfamiliar with the romance genre, medievals almost are non-existent at this point in time. Pretty much the historical subgenre of romance is divided between Viking and... <laughs> regency nowadays Mm -hmm. so if you're not into either of those which i'm not like really Mm -hmm. into either of those um you don't have a lot of variety with historical romance novels so i was super excited to read a medieval medieval, because i like medieval romances i know (laughs) (laughs) this one eh! (laughs) i like medieval stuff too but the fact that it was fantasy and specifically gnomes i love gnomes i love gnomes so much gnomes are very important to me i don't think you understand I understand. I know. I'm talking to the listener. Listener, you don't understand. Jen really likes gnomes. (laughs) (laughs) I remember uh, it's very early on in the book. The first mention of the gnomes is when Niccolo is um, journeying to Princess Aurora's castle. Mm -hmm. And he, like, runs into some villager. And the villager is like, be careful in the woods. The gnomes will come and murder you with their Mm -hmm. axes or something. And I was like, this is maybe the best book ever written. Yep, yep. Oh, man. Well, that's a good segue into one of the topics I wanted to discuss. Great. Gnomes? Well, let's talk (laughs) about the fantasy elements and the world building, or lack thereof. Good plan. So, you're really excited about the gnomes. I was really excited about the gnomes. Oh, okay. No, no, okay. It's not that I was unhappy with them. It's just that, like, like the book could have been about gnomes. (laughs) And it would have been a better book. Mm-hmm. And, like, my favorite thing was when you, you texted me the other day and you were like, honestly, she should just marry this gnome. Yeah. <laughs> Francis was awesome. Francis was amazing. Yeah, I actually really did like the gnome characters. In this book, the people of Falconia, which is Aurora's kingdom, kingdom. Mm-hmm. are all extremely superstitious. And there are uh, gnomes in the forest near her castle that everyone is afraid of and that works to Aurora's advantage because they actually live to serve the royal family of Falconia. Mm-hmm. So she sees them all the time and they really like her and they get along well, of course, but everyone else is terrified of them, including the uh, soldiers of Ravenia, which is the kingdom yeah. which attacks Falconia every day. So I liked the gnomes a lot. Mm-hmm. They were a little one-dimensional. They were. Which was a bummer, but, you know, I mean... I was so excited. (laughs) So, apart from the gnomes, uh, there's actually a ton of magic going on in Falconia. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a 
magic baby deer yep. <laughs> named Tansy that just is always chilling in the forest. And only the only people that Tansy likes are Nicolo and Aurora. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even like the gnomes. Yeah, weirdly. Fucking racist doe. Uh, and then probably one of the biggest plot elements is that in the Falconian royal family, there is a curse in which all women who marry for any reason other than true love will die within a year and their souls will be condemned to forever haunt an old shrine in the woods. Mm -hmm. So this curse came about when an ancestor of Aurora's spurned her true love and he cursed her and all of her ancestors. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of bitter men in this book. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, it was kind of upsetting. Yeah, you know, and... I think I'm giving way too much credit to the author, but it almost felt like a commentary, you know? Yeah. Because, like, (laughs) well, no, I I get it. I want to make the case for it, too, but I can't. I can't. I mean, it's too flimsy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it unintentionally became so. Yeah. Because I am fascinated by the fact that (laughs) this world is you know, by definition becomes a fantasy world, even though everything except for the two make-believe kingdoms of Falconia and Ravinia and the magic in Falconia, apart from the fact that all of that exists, everything else is, like, really deeply rooted in the middle medieval period with, like, the religion the uh, concept of courtly love, which gets brought up a ton. Yeah. If you're unfamiliar, courtly love was in the late Middle Ages when knights started to, like, write love poetry and stuff. And um, the, the concept of chivalry really started to arise. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting how deeply rooted it was in the late Middle Ages. But then it was, like, still... A fantasy? It was really yeah. weird. Like, I wanted so... The, she kept... Or Fabio kept dropping. <laughs> Fabio kept dropping all these really interesting bits of information about this world. Like, the fact that all of the servants in Falconia walk through doors backwards because mm-hmm. they're super superstitious. And, mm-hmm. like, I wanted more of that. I wanted more about this world because, like, that's some interesting stuff that really could have made this world feel fleshed out to me. But it's really skimmed over. And it was a bummer because those were actually some of the most delightful parts for me. Like, there was actually a lot of genuine humor in this book. Yeah. I I feel like it was, like, it wasn't full fantasy. Yeah. No, it wasn't high fantasy. No, for but sure. That, but but it, that's what I found interesting, you know? But I, like, it wasn't even half fantasy. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, there were gnomes and... There was a curse and a magic immortal deer. But, and... <laughs> uh, unless, unless they were doing something that, that like, it was a scene that took place in that, like, at that shrine, or mm-hmm. it was a scene that had to do with the gnomes, I didn't feel the fantasy impact on the world. It just felt like I was reading a, a period mm-hmm. romance novel, <laughs> which, I mean, I don't know. At that point, why bother? Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I thought was kind of weird, you know. Mm-hmm. Like like I said, I I thought that the the mentions of the the fantasy stuff and like the little bits of world building were the most interesting. Yeah. But, you know, I I agree that it didn't really it it felt like a kind of add-on. Yeah, definitely. And not like the main meat and potatoes, which is yeah. weird because of how much hinged on this like 
family curse. Yeah. I mean, apart from the curse being, like, the plot, I don't know what the purpose was of a lot of the other stuff. Which mm-hmm. is, I mean, not to say that everything has to have a purpose. I, I thought the uh, going back to, backwards through doors thing was really interesting, too. And, like, that was just an interesting detail. But, like, what was the purpose of the gnomes? Delightful as they were, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. They didn't really serve a purpose. It was interesting that, I mean, everybody was, like, super racist against them. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> and then at the end, they got to, like, be friends with everybody. Mm-hmm. That was cute. But, like, you know, it didn't serve a larger purpose for, like, the narrative of the book, which was confusing to me. I kept waiting for them to, like, be be an important part of, mm-hmm. of, the, of the story. You could make a, an argument for, like, you know, they participate in the final battle and everything, but, like, they really aren't key no they really didn't need to be there yeah the story could have proceeded without them yeah which was kind of a bummer but yeah next topic well so let's talk about the weird misogyny and the all the men who make who like are super bitter toward women and then the weirdly delightful group of knights yeah who who come to help aurora yeah yeah definitely (laughs) for for a book whose dedication (laughs) <laughs> was so feminist. <laughs> it was interesting to me that the the hero was so he hate he hated women. Mm-hmm. Apart from his mother and his sister, mm-hmm. he like despised women. Yeah. And earlier when I said that he was kind of misogynistic, but maybe not. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. My main point is that he straight up was going to sacrifice himself to do something that he absolutely did not want to do, which was marry a woman because he hates women. Yeah, to um, take care of his To family. take care of his, his mother and his sister. And I thought that was uh, super... In- like, he, sh- he shows nothing but love and respect for his mother and sister. Now, of course... You know, there are plenty of sexists out there yeah, who, I mean, who have that, mothers and sisters. There's that argument where, where, like, if something... I mean prevalent with like the news and everything that's going on right now but when when someone says something like oh well as someone with a mother and a and a sister yeah, and a daughter yeah. like blah 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 but like you shouldn't have to look at it through that lens to view women as people so like yeah i don't, I don't really give nicolo credit no i but i i did I did think it was interesting that he loved his family so much, and I wish we got more of that. Yeah. And I also, like, despite how much of a woman-hating asshole he was for most of the book, I did kind of find that arc interesting, you know? I I mean, I am not, that's not my bag. I am not into, like, I was actually really disappointed at how much he hated her because that is, like, the true, like, that is not the dynamic that I want in my romance novels. I don't want him to hate her at all. I did find it kind of interesting that his arc was kind of redemption. Literally everyone around him says to him, like, bro, you're bitter. You know, like, you're just, you're just projecting your hatred of your ex-wife onto this other woman for no reason. You need to calm down. Yeah, and they call him the Dark Knight. (laughs) Do they? I don't remember that. (laughs) Maybe they call him, like, the Black Knight or something. They call him something like that. I don't remember Maybe Maybe it's not Dark Knight, because, like, you know, Batman, Batman. but... (laughs) Who was a thing in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't... It's something to that effect, Mm -hmm. you know? I had an interesting journey reading this book. Tell me about it. <laughs> Do you remember when I started reading it the first night and I texted you mm-hmm. that I wasn't hating it? Mm-hmm. 
And it, which was surprising because I was expecting it to be ridiculous from page one. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was. Did you? No, the it was actually really well edited. Yeah. And the prose, like the line by line text was pretty well written. The um, situations and execution of that text was pretty bad sometimes. Yeah. But like the sentences themselves were well crafted. <laughs> I was actually interested by the first several chapters. I actually, I liked the setup. I liked the idea of this guy I liked the relationship he had with his family and the relationship that he had with his squire. And it was all downhill from there. Because I thought that it was going to be like once he got there, then he was going to fall in love and it was going to be like a romance novel. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, that's kind of what happened. But not in the way that like was satisfying because yeah. he, he hated her for a long time. He said a lot of, he called her a lot of terrible names. He had a lot of violent urges toward her, not yeah. like sexual urges. Oh yeah. He like, he threatened her several times. Like bodily. Yeah. Like, and, and he, he of course the entire time was like, I'm totally gonna take pleasure from using her body. But after that, I'm just gonna throw her over to the guy who's trying to, siege her castle or whatever and and for that for that entire time he was totally manipulating her there were times when he would kind of force himself on her with the intention of basically corrupting her and then throwing her aside Mm -hmm. made me a little uncomfortable yeah and (laughs) didn't care for. and i will say after after all of his failed attempts to do so um all of the sex was consensual yeah after that So it's not like there were any um, instances of rape, but he does kind of try to like coerce her. Yeah, a lot of his behavior did not sit well with me. No, no, it was really creepy, which was a bummer because again, for the first couple of chapters, I was really intrigued by his character. See, I was intrigued by his story, like his arc. I didn't really find the beginning interesting. I actually, it took me a lot to get into it. So, as previously mentioned, Nicolo isn't the only spurned man in this book who is like super bitter towards women or a woman Mm -hmm. there's also uh the ancestor of auroras who started the curse Mm -hmm. as well as the king of ravania basil i think yeah basil who's trying to take over her kingdom. What a fucking shit that guy was, huh? Seriously. Holy shit. The story of uh, Basil is that they were childhood friends. And then as they grew up, he decided he wanted to be more. And she friend-zoned him. Mm -hmm. And he didn't like that. So now he wants to invade her kingdom and force her to marry him. He's literally a Reddit user. Yeah, he's he's an asshole. He's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And, like, <laughs> there's nothing redeeming about him. Which is maybe done so that Niccolo doesn't look as bad. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Let's contrast all of those pieces of shit, including Niccolo, with the... The other knights. The, the seven other knights yes, who come to save... Who come to champion Aurora and are all actually pretty stand-up guys because Nicolo is the only one who gets there and after being told what happened is still like oh you whore yeah and then like all the other knights i find this very charming they instantly are like okay i guess i'll stay here and try to win her heart (laughs) yeah and like and like they do like really 
charming things like sing her songs and bring her flowers yeah. and you know just like none of them pressure her Mm-mm. none of them ask anything of her other than like can we stay here and help champion your cause mm-hmm. you know like they all realize that this poor woman is just being attacked by a piece of shit neighboring king and they're like let's help with with nothing in return after having given up great fortunes in order for the honor to come save her mm-hmm. you know like real stand-up guys here not, like not only that but like there there is stuff about how like they want it to be fair and like they don't want one of her suitors to to be able to spend more time with yeah. her than the rest of them but beyond that none of them are really like super jealous of each other except for no. Niccolo. yeah like there's a there's a real camaraderie between all of the knights it seems like yeah totally like they all work together like it it seems like the end goal like the main end goal for them is just to help her right like at the end of the day they just want her to be saved and her kingdom to be saved and mm-hmm. and if they don't if she doesn't pick them that's okay yeah yeah and there's this huge emphasis on chivalry and mm-hmm. like chivalrous manners and everything with them which Niccolo has forsaken Mm -hmm. because he's so broken and he's been betrayed and whatever so I I found he has trust issues Rachel yeah (laughs) I found that really cool that all these dudes are just like genuinely stand-up dudes me too just you know and I I kept thinking like just marry one of these other guys honestly like any of them even that Scottish guy who was like super Brash and, like, Brash and, like, kind of had a temper. Yeah. Even he would have been better than Niccolo because even when Niccolo kind of tricks him to get him away from Aurora at one point, he doesn't take it out on Aurora. Yeah. He he just, like, kind of gets a little pissed at Niccolo, but then, like, still leaves her be because he's like, oh, well, presumably Niccolo. he's like, well, she, you know, I'm not going to tell her who she can and can't talk to. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and Niccolo spends the entire book taking things out on Aurora, whether yeah. it's his trust issues with his ex-wife or the fact that she has all these other suitors mm-hmm. or the fact that her uncle did this to all of them. Like, he takes everything out on Aurora. I don't understand. Yeah. And, and while all the other knights are like... Like, oh, buddy, you know, we've all been duped. You know, yeah. we're all idiots. <laughs> like, they all, they're okay with it. Like, yeah, they accept- he's like, I am no fool. Yeah, like. Fucking <laughs> asshole. Yeah, like, what a piece of shit. Honestly. <laughs> I wanted to like him so bad. I did too, but it became pretty clear that it was not going to happen for me. Yeah, me too. So let's talk about our heroine. Okay. I really liked her. Me too. For the first two thirds of the book. Me too. <laughs> oh my god. For the first two thirds of the book, Aurora is so full of sass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually was cheering for her every Me time. Too. Every time Niccolo said something, like told her to do something, and she was like, "No," mm-hmm. you know, like she stands up for herself. She like doesn't take shit from him or from anyone really. And then uh, about two-thirds of the way through the book, she just becomes this, like, whiny 16-year-old girl whose boyfriend just broke up with her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. ugh. Yep. Go back to being sassy and just, like, awesome. Yeah, literally. I mean, multiple times during the beginning of the book, she made me do, like, a, yes, queen! Yeah. And, um... I was so refreshed by her 
the mirth that she had Mm -hmm. and the playfulness that she had, she was in control. Yeah. And she knew it Mm -hmm. and she acted like it. And I was so into that. Mm Mm-hmm. She definitely suffered from something that I really think that we should come up with a name for because I have seen it before. It's when a female character is full of life and character in the beginning of something, and then halfway through or however way through, they just descent into being nothing but in love with the their hero. It reminds me a lot of Leia. From Star Wars, because mm-hmm. in episode four, she's a badass space mm-hmm. princess. And then slowly throughout the next two movies, she just kind of becomes Han Solo's piece of ass, you know? <laughs> yeah. And um, that that's a bummer. Like, yeah. she just becomes a lamp, you yeah. know, like a piece of furniture. And- For sure. I, I saw a play one time with Kevin Klein and Kobe Smulders, and I was really excited. And Kobe Smulders, the second she stepped on stage, I fell in love with her. Mm-hmm. She was amazing. She was magnetic. She was she was playing this character who was like sassy and snarky and quippy and all this stuff. She was like a badass. And then halfway, it, it was an older play. See, there's the thing. Because halfway through the play, she completely lost. And it's not Kobe Smulders' fault. But, you know, the character completely lost everything that made her so compelling because she Mm. became obsessed with her love for the main male character. And Mm. I I just, I think that that thing, whatever, we have to come up with like a nickname for it. I'm sure there's something on TV tropes or something. Um, but it is infuriating to me. I just, I feel like I see it happen all the time and it's such a shame because these are like strong female characters who I think are compelling and, full of life and then they completely get drained of it if they fall in love and i think it's bullshit totally agree yeah the aurora totally fell victim to that and i was so disappointed yeah it sucked because like i said in the beginning i actually really liked her she was Mm -hmm. funny you know like i i mentioned this before but there was a lot of humor in this book it was actually genuinely funny at points there were a couple times when she said something and i laughed out loud yeah and i wasn't expecting it Mm -mm. because This is a book that had so many of the tropes and conventions of old school romance and of the romance formula. Mm -hmm. So to have a heroine like Aurora was a shock for me. I was not expecting it. Yeah, me too. And then... (laughs) And then... She just... Like, it, it got bad, you know? This is a woman who, you know, at first I was a little like, why isn't she giving herself over to the enemy just to save her people? But then you find out that... You know, her hands are kind of tied. She's yeah. got this curse, but she feels the full weight of it because it's not just her soul at stake. Yeah, um, exactly. She knows exactly. that all of her female ancestors are like cursed to be haunting the, the shrine. shrine for forever unless she breaks the curse because, you know, she's the last female of, right. of her line. Exactly. So, like if, if she dies, they're all fucked forever mm-hmm. to just haunt the shrine for all eternity, which that's a weight on your on your shoulders you know like that sucks and i thought it was really interesting and compelling that she in the beginning of the book at least she felt the weight of that Mm -hmm. but then of course she like starts to (laughs) she 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 falls for nicolo and it gets to a point where she's like i don't care about the curse anymore i just Mm want to be with you i'll give up my kingdom for you and i was like bitch i know (laughs) 
Yeah. And, you know, it was it was so great when we don't get to see her be a ruler a lot. But yeah. There was actually one scene. It was like one or two paragraphs. And I did mark it down where no, she... We haven't looked at any of your marks yet. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we really only get like a couple of paragraphs of Aurora being a ruler. Her her half-brother is um, not an heir to the throne. He is a son from her mother's first marriage. Her dad was the king and her mother married into the family. I thought so, that was an interesting um, detail, by the way. Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting, too. It was probably just so that she, she could have, have a brother, brother but, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little creepy. So it says, who would have thought that a lady who picnicked with gnomes would perform her royal duty so earnestly? What? What does that even mean? This is from Niccolo's perspective in third person, but it's limited to his I don't remember that line. What the fuck does that even mean? He chuckled when he heard her pronounce her verdict that the two peasants must slaughter the goose together and then both of their families would partake of it because they're both fighting over whose goose it is. He continued to listen as she sentenced a petty thief to a day in the public stocks and ordered a 10-year-old boy who had acted a bully to spend a week mucking out the royal stables. Niccolo found himself admiring Aurora even more for metting out justice with a hand that was firm, wise, but not cruel. The rest of it is relevant, but that's that's almost all we get of her acting as, like, a ruler. You're right, though. That part totally stood out to me. Yeah, and, yeah. like, I like that we get some of that, you know? I mm-hmm. mean, I it sucks that it's from... Niglo's perspective because I would have liked to have gotten Aurora's thoughts on some of the stuff that she's handling and like the conflict she has with it but you know like a, a young boy was bullying and she's like okay we'll muck out the stables you know <laughs> like she doesn't do anything cruel to him but she's still I liked that the bully got more uh punishment time than the petty thief yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. Well, we don't know what he did. He could have chopped off some little girl's hair. There you go. You know? (laughs) But um, I would have liked more of that. I would have liked more of seeing what kind of ruler she was, especially since we got that line where she literally told Niccolo she would give up her kingdom if he would just be with her. Yep. (laughs) So let's talk about the sex in this book. Okay. Well, first, let's talk about their relationship. Okay. How did you feel the relationship progressed? Were you satisfied by it? Uh, no. I felt like, I felt like one minute, okay, first of all, they were never in love. And I, this is part of my notes, actually. They were never in love. They were in lust, which makes me so frustrated because the curse specifically says, like, like her, her ghost aunts and female relatives keep telling her, don't (laughs) fall prey to the passions of lust or whatever. They literally tell her. They literally tell her. Because she has this, like, the shrine is, like, this special place that only Aurora goes. Mm-hmm. I think only her and her uncle and her brother know where it is. Yeah. Nicola follows her there one day. So they keep meeting there. Yeah. And um, he keeps, like, trying to get it on with her. And she, like, hears the voices of the spirits. And they literally say to her, hey... Don't fall prey to lust. You're just like, you just want his bod. Mm -hmm. That's not love. And they warn her about him several times. Like, he's not right, you Mm -hmm. know, because he has to repent in order to become worthy of her and he has to regain his faith, which was so weird. Yeah. Like, that was an interesting point. It was like a two second thing (laughs) where he just sits down and prays and then feels a godly light come over him and then he's. And then he's he's fixed and he's certainly he's a worthy. Man. Okay, yep. but literally 
from that point on, every time he read a line of dialogue, I read it in a different, like, in my head, it was in a different voice. It was in, like, a cheesy, like, heroic voice. It was like, I shall. It was, like, <laughs> hands on hips, like, grinning. Like, yeah. Like, that was how I read all of his dialogue from that point on. And, like... <laughs> I don't know if it was just me or if it was kind of how it was written. I don't know, but yeah. it was it, it was it was different. Yeah. So it it really seemed like the relationship went from, you know, they they had like an instant mutual attraction to one another to Aurora suddenly deciding that she didn't care about the curse anymore and just wanted his bod. Can we talk about why the spirits <laughs> said to her when she was like help me find out who my champion will be and and the spirits were like have a have a tournament or whatever yeah or who who my true love will be yes yes yeah yeah and i and i like i was like how is that gonna yeah yeah that that was definitely a plot device (laughs) yeah and that i literally kept waiting for them to have some sort of contest which never happened yeah that's true and also because like at the end of the day what ends up happening is Niccolo meets with Basil in secret and mm-hmm. he's like, so, hey, let me win this war between us and then I'm just going to hand Aurora over to you. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and this is like far into the book. Yeah, this too. is more than halfway. Yeah. And, and like Aurora has kind of already decided that she has feelings for him. And yeah, yeah. He, even though he won't admit it, already has feelings for her. Yeah. And then, like, because, like, pretty much two pages later, he kind of decides that he's in love with her. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> no, man, I can't do it. I love her. Yeah, Never mind. exactly. It just, but, like, what an asshole. Weird. Like, their relationship made no sense. It just, it didn't have any progression. It just went from, like... Zero to 60. Not, Not even. even that. Yeah. Like, it, it, it started at, like... A 30 out of 100 as far as lust goes and then just went to 100 two pages later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were thirsty. Oh, yeah. And it, and it never it never stopped. I never got anything from them but thirst. Exactly. There were, like, times when they almost gave a reason for why they would have feelings for each other, but it didn't go far enough. At, like, not even close. Let's talk about the sex between okay. them. Okay, 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 okay. So... As I said, at least it was all consensual. And I actually found it kind of interesting that he actually is kind of attentive to her and considerate of her in certain points. Well, what was that? <laughs> what was that thing where he was thinking about the sex that he had with his wife and how it wasn't good or something? Like, oh, yeah. She she wasn't she pleased with him. Yeah. And he tried, but she just was never interested. And then he like... And then after after he was damaged, and whenever he would like have sex, he, he was like, oh, "I'm so good at sex." Yeah, that was it wasn't the me. point of yeah, it. Like- yeah. <laughs> oh man. Also, he was super obsessed with like hymens. He was. He talked about hymens a lot, yeah. and it was this book was um, adhering to that terrible romance novel trope where the hymen is halfway up the vagina and also it is a (laughs) it's also a fortress that must be uh broken into yeah a literal barrier yeah it's a literal barrier that must be broken whatever upon first sexing and (laughs) first sexing (laughs) it did take them longer than i thought it was going to oh yeah it did yeah 
But then once they did bone, it happened like five times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, uh, and we've talked about this before, we're not into. Mm-hmm. Like that random meeting where they just went to an inn in town. Yeah. And it served no purpose. I kept waiting for it to be like. Someone found out or. Yeah. Or, yeah. or like, because they, they met there separately. I thought he was going to walk into the room and it wasn't going to be her. Mm-hmm. But, like, no, they just boned. Yeah, I actually forgot about that until you brought it up just now because it was that inconsequential. <laughs> well, exa- well, that was why I, I took note of it because I, I kept waiting for, like, the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. And nothing, it would, there was no, literally no point to it. And I yeah. was like, okay. Yep. I mean, I get it. That's romance novels sometimes, but, mm-hmm. you know. So I found their first sexing. <laughs> and I'm going to read it sensually. <laughs> into this microphone and i'm gonna hide in my shirt he responded with another searing kiss while caressing between her thighs with his fingers until she throbbed for him instinctively she slipped her hand between their bodies and stroked his stiffened manhood (laughs) see he encouraged kissing her deeply touch me there my love just as intimately as i am caressing you encouraged she unfastened his codpiece and explored him odd that a shaft of flesh so rigid could also be so velvety soft with untrained curiosity she examined the satiny tip of him and heard him seize a frenzied breath she felt his swollen member pulse and harden even more as she curled her fingers about it oh she ached to feel it inside her he knew i love the clinical cadence (laughs) with which you are speaking he knew with feverish haste he untied his hose His strong thighs spread hers widely apart, and he pressed his hardness into her. She gasped as the tip of him pierced her, and he hesitated. I am hurting you, he said contritely. Even though the penetration smarted, Aurora welcomed the tender invasion that would make them truly one at last. She reached down to stroke him again, where? (laughs) And smiled up at him. Your barb is sweet, my lord, and wondrous large. (laughs) God, you're Barb. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. Just, I'd just like to um, take this time to remind everyone that we are an explicit podcast. <laughs> I read it in a clinical voice, so maybe people will think I was just reading out of no, like. No, sure. A... I think we got away with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else did you want to say about the sex? I just wanted to read their first sexing because her use of the word Barb. To, to describe his dick. Hashtag Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Barb? <laughs> Hashtag Justice for Barb. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so I would like to talk a little bit about the romance genre as a whole and the ways in which this book is basically the straight up formula of romance in action. Great. Yeah. I have been saying for a while to Jen how much (laughs) I love the romance genre, but I think it's time for the traditional formula to be expanded. Mm -hmm. I don't think that the traditional romance formula needs to be tossed out. I think it works for a lot of women, but it just doesn't really work for me all the time. Mm -hmm. And this book, I truly felt like it was that formula at its most basic in action. Mm -hmm. You have the emphasis on the relationship 
with all other details, including plot and logical motives of characters and world building, <laughs> all as kind of like on the back burner, mm-hmm. which I hate, you know, mm-hmm. because I understand that romance novels are... They exist to tell a love story. But I think that love stories are more satisfying when they are within the context of a well-developed story Mm -hmm. and when they happen between well-developed characters. I don't personally like love stories that just exist for the sake of existing. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't authors who do this well within the formula, Because that's not true at all. There are a lot of really great books and a lot of really great romance novelists and ones that I like. Mm -hmm. I just want this to be expanded upon. Uh, There's also in the formula, this happens a lot and it drives me up a wall. Lust over love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are so many books where I'm like, are these characters actually in love? No, they're just in lust. And when you go to the Harlequin website and you're looking at their guidelines for submissions, they actually, they emphasize that there needs to be a strong passion between the two characters. And like, I get it, but I would rather have a tender love story between two people with like really touching moments, you know, like, like moments where people just genuinely like, you know, moments that give you butterflies when you read about it because it's so cheesy and romantic and and tender, you know, and you don't get that a lot in a lot of romance novels. You get this annoying passion and I get that it's sexy. And, you know, if, if you read your romance novels because you want a sexy scene, that is fine. I am not criticizing or judging and I am not saying that you shouldn't get that from your choice of romance novel. I'm just saying that I want I, I want more options yeah. for, you know, the type of romance that I want to read about. I totally agree. I, for, for me, the sweet moments are far more satisfying and fulfilling than the lusty moments. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not interested in erotica. I'm interested in romance novels. But, yeah. And we've talked about this before. I'm not sure that we've ever mentioned this on the podcast in an episode that isn't a lost episode, mm-hmm. but we grew up reading fan fiction. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a big part of our friendship. Mm -hmm. Um, When we were younger, we read all the same fanfics all the time. It was a big Mm -hmm. thing. So we've read a lot of fan fiction in our day. Mm -hmm. And all of the good fanfics that I've read have a compelling story to Mm -hmm. them. Whether or not they would hold up now (laughs) is another thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, it's not just the romance, like you were saying. But it's also like, you know, fan fiction, there were like M-rated fics. Mm-hmm. But then there were the, the T-rated fics that were just sweet and cute and about, yeah, where about maybe, characters falling in love. Where maybe they had like a steamy makeout session. Sure, yeah. But at the end of the day, it was just about them falling in love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want my romance novels to kind of take a page mm-hmm. from YA and yeah. uh, start putting a little more emphasis on interesting world building and interesting situations. And well-developed characters. And well-developed characters in which a romance happens. Mm -hmm. And with still the the guarantee of an emotionally satisfying happily ever after ending. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to go away. I like that security. Mm -hmm. I just don't necessarily want every romance novel I read to be all about the passion between two characters. Sometimes I just want it to be about, like, the development of their love for one another. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. And I, I unfortunately don't see that a lot, especially in the old school romance novels. 
And it's a shame. It really sucks. Because, like, I, you know, I still will go try to find, like, good fanfics if I've got that, like... That itch. Yeah, that mm-hmm. itch. For, for, for like, just reading about two characters falling in love. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For the butterflies, like you were exactly. saying. Exactly. I mean... I haven't read a lot of romance novels. I've only read ones that you have recommended to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that any of them, except for Gone and your book, gave me butterflies. Aw! My book? Yeah! <laughs> Some of the books that I've given you to read have given me butterflies, including Gone. Um, <laughs> and that is indeed why I find myself reading self-published romance novels a lot more because those tend to break out of that formula a little more. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the problem there is that they, in general, aren't well edited. Mm -hmm. And that's no fault of the authors, you know? Yeah, sure. I get by, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's not too much of a distraction, but there are times when I'm reading a book that I'm like, this would be a really great book if it only had an editor to just clear up some of these awkward sentences. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the publishing industry especially with the romance genre, is not willing to take risks and they don't want to change what works. And what bums me out is that I think that a lot of younger women, I think they're ready for a change. And admittedly, we are starting to see it. I highly recommend the book Nuts by Alice Clayton. I can't wait to read it. It's really good. It's really sweet. It actually is very romantic and the hero is a total muffin. Really great book. I can't think of a lot of other romance novels that are traditionally published that have kind of given me that feeling, though. And if if you've heard of any, please send them my way. I would love to check them out. I'm not saying that they're not out there. It's just that I'm having a hard time finding them, yeah. which is why I feel we need to expand the genre a little more. I think the formula works for romance novels, but I just want there to be more options for people. You know, I luckily we're we're getting out of the alpha hole heroes where there are more options for heroes across books. There's heroines who are everything from princessy princess to... yeah, from pr- literal princesses <laughs> yeah. to I don't know, a military officers, you know, like there's a really diverse range of women, not necessarily race and ethnicity wise. That's still a problem in romance. It's very whitewashed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But as far as the roles women play, those are pretty diverse. We're seeing a little more diversity with um, the roles and the stereotypes of the heroes. But I would like a little more diversity with the situations and the formula. Um, the formula. Yeah. And we've, I think we've had this discussion multiple times where like, if I didn't have you, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't try any romance novels, even though I am, I am such a lover of, of fan fiction. And romance novels is kind of what fan fiction is. Like it has the potential to scratch that itch. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of younger women like us don't, know that this genre by and for women exists and maybe would be kind of turned off by it because it is so strict in the formula. Mm -hmm. And I think that that it needs to change if the industry is going to, uh, like the industry's doing fine, whatever. But as, as, as women grow up and like millennials (laughs) Mm -hmm. might not be as drawn to the genre as they 
would be if it took a page from like fan fiction, which mm-hmm. is another another area that is kind of fostered by women and yeah, yeah and and also young women who are growing up with YA, mm-hmm. absolutely, um, you know, who as I did will someday get sick of the chosen one sixteen year old <laughs> trope. <laughs> if, if they start to get sick of that, and if they start to just kind of not really be there for all the teen angst anymore. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Maybe they'll want similar stories with similar types of situations with more adult characters. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there's not a huge translation of that across YA to romance novels, even though the two genres do kind of share some similarities as far as the, the itch they scratch. You yeah. know, I mean... Look at Twilight. Mm-hmm. You know, I I'm not knocking Twilight. I I respect Twilight for what it is. I do not personally Same. like it, but I think that it was powerful. Mm-hmm. It made a lot of women really happy, and yeah. I, at one time, the first book made me very happy. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, most romance novels don't do that same thing for the adult me. Yeah, and which sucks because like I read a book like Gone, and it's what I want. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about The Last Hour of Gone yeah, by yeah, Arlie yeah. Smith. There will be a future episode about that book. Mm-hmm. We highly, highly recommend it. It's it's very long, so if you are interested at all, start reading now. Oh my god, we so recommend it. I'm only halfway through it. Mm-hmm. I read it, and I, I can't get over how much it is exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. got the romance. It's got the incredible world building. It's got the super intriguing and compelling characters. A really interesting storyline and interesting character arcs. Yes, exactly. But it is a romance. Mm -hmm. Like, it is the connection between the two main characters. Mm -hmm. And it, while I'm reading it, I'm just like, oh, that's the good stuff. Mm -hmm. You know? And I I wish, I wish that, you know, there were more romance novels like that for you to send Mm -hmm. my way. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately... I'm I'm finding what the word I'm looking for is when I'm talking about what I want between the hero and the heroine. Chemistry. Yes. I want the chemistry. Yes. You know, like, my ideal level of chemistry is Mr. Darcy and Lizzie <laughs> Bennet staring at each other from across the room. So much chemistry between them arguing and yet still strangely into each other. And like, you know, like mm-hmm. there's there's chemistry between those two characters. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think a lot of romance novel authors are confusing lust for chemistry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I don't want inexplicable. I need I I'm so attracted to your body. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like with this or like there was a lot of emphasis put on her nipples. And <laughs> again, obviously his knees. And it's just. <laughs> I don't. It was. It was. It was super lusty, and mm-hmm. which is like fine if that's what you want. But if that's not what you want, then you're kind of SOL. Yeah, exactly. I have a question for you before we end this. Okay, what's your question? When you are reading this, mm-hmm. did the marketing work? Did you picture Nicolo as Fabio? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, me either. <laughs> There were a couple times when they would mention that he had blonde hair, and I, my brain would go, oh, that's right. I think he's supposed to be Fabio. Yeah, that's, no, that's exactly what happened, because I did not picture him as Fabio. Yeah, me neither. Which is interesting, mm-hmm. because, like, he's so there, you know? Like, it's so easy for me to think of what Fabio looks like. He was even Italian. Yeah. Maybe it was because the, the dust cover wasn't there. I Maybe. Don't know. <laughs> 
But no, I, I did not picture him as Fabio. Oh, man, the marketing failed. Ah. But maybe that's why this book didn't survive past its initial publishing. Maybe. Well, we'll have to... The, the, I mean, this... It's one of many. Exactly. We can try again. This is this is the first of many in our in our experiment. Yeah. Let us know if you liked this discussion and you want us to do more Fabio episodes. Because yeah. <laughs> as much as it was painful to read, mm-hmm. this was really fun to talk about. It really was. I, we love talking about the romance novels. We're going to do more no, no matter what you think. So, mm-hmm. so there. I have one more thing to say about the romance novel genre. Okay. And then we can end this. So uh, you've pointed this out before. Mm-hmm. I think on the podcast. But <laughs> I used to read a lot of old school romance novels. Mm-hmm. I would never finish them. Mm-hmm. I would not have finished this book if I didn't have to. Me neither. You know? Mm-hmm. And it, it's because there wasn't a lot gripping me. Because I'm not really there for, like, the inexplicable lust and passion between two characters. Yep. There wasn't enough of the story the character or the world building yeah. to keep me in, to keep me going. Same. I was thinking that earlier too. And it like, was long. It kind of, well, like it wasn't, but it felt like it was. It felt like it took me 10 years to read this book. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, you're right. It definitely slowed down in the middle and, mm-hmm. and the end. The, and- the end, <laughs> the end went really fast for me because it oh. was just like, bam, 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 like plot, you know? And I was like, yeah. well, at least stuff is happening and it's not just Nicolo. Okay. He compared her to his wife. Like there were at least Ugh. five different instances where he was like, he realized she was just like Cecilia. And I was like, bitch, you realized this five pages ago. Mm-hmm. You don't also- need to realize it every 10 pages or so. Like, come on. Also, you're very wrong and please sit down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not only that, but like. She fucking felt bad for him. I know. After Lorenzo told her, and and she's like, oh, no wonder he can never trust again. I don't blame him. And I'm like, yeah, I and, do. And, and no wonder he turned me over to Basil. Yeah, for real. Like, the fuck? Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Fabio. Yeah. Eugenia something. Eugene O'Reilly. Eugene O'Reilly. Fabio. Fabio. I still love him. Are you so happy to be done with this episode, Rachel? <laughs> well, I got to say, it really was fun to talk about. It was. You it know, was. reading it was a chore. Mm-hmm. Talking about it was really fun. Yeah. Very good point. I mean, I would do it again. Me too. Yeah. Talk about it. Talk about it. Not read it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. But I mean, like, I would <laughs> I would read another Fabio book. Me too. So that Absolutely. we can talk about it again. Let us know. Totally. If you want us to read another Fabio book. Yeah. <laughs> and by you, we mean the listener. <laughs> so if you enjoyed our episode, and if you enjoy Fabio mm-hmm. on romance covers, mm-hmm. send us <laughs> send us a picture of your favorite Fabio cover. Oh, my God, that's the most genius thing. Oh, my God. Please, please do this. I'm actually planning a post of, like, my favorite Fabio covers. Oh, my God. It's kind of like a gallery. Yes, <laughs> please. For people to admire. Amazing. I love it so much. I I love it so much. Please, please, please send us pictures of Fabio covers. It would make me so happy. Me too. And in doing so, find us and follow us on our social media. Yeah. We're on Twitter at Optiot. It's O-P-T-I-O-T. And on Instagram at Optiot Pod. We're also 
on our website. <laughs> One person's trash is our treasure. Dot com. <laughs> I hope everybody uh, who was celebrating American Thanksgiving had a great Thanksgiving. And I hope if you worked Black Friday, you didn't end up with a migraine. Oops. <laughs> and I hope you didn't get trampled. And I hope that if you were a shopper on Black Friday, you weren't an asshole. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Have a good two weeks, everybody. Damn, I didn't do any research on Fabio. I don't know why I was going to, too. Shit. Let's just pull up his Wikipedia page, right? Sure. You know his last name? I probably don't need to you, put you, it you don't need his last name? <laughs> It, like, it didn't come with the dust cover. Which I was pissed about because I didn't know. Yeah. Like, I didn't know I was buying a copy that didn't have the dust cover because that's why I wanted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never intended to read this book. <laughs> why can't I speak, Rachel? I don't know. Why? <laughs> Is that the right term? I don't know. I just nodded. <laughs> Gnomes deserve love, too. It's not that... Okay. <laughs> Ugh, erotic sensations throbbing and peeking. <laughs> I, why did I mark that? <laughs> what was I intending to talk about there? I can't find any of the sex. Didn't they sex? <laughs> We're using it as a verb now. <laughs> to sex. Teasing his manhood. <laughs> you are so delicious, my lady. He whispered. I would taste you there too, my lady. Would you stay me? <laughs> she does not stay him. <laughs> Do your ASMR voice, Rachel. Encourage. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> she said that he had spectacularly formed knees. <laughs> she did. <laughs> Why are all the 16-year-olds the ones who have to save the world? Anyway. <laughs> wait. Hang on. I couldn't think of what I wanted to say. I, I like how I waved. <laughs> 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 they can't see me. They can feel your wave. Oh, really? In the tone of your voice. Okay, great. I cannot imagine that <laughs> we are sending any new listeners their way. <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> hey, we've got a solid listener base of like three. Of our friends. Of our friends. <laughs> Not even my boyfriend listens. <laughs> hey, Fabio, come on our podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine? Okay, I'm going to end the recording. Now. All right, go for it.